0: Lifespring number one hundred seventy-three, the Family Squeeze Edition, an interview with Phil Calloway. Lifespring Media, bringing the message of hope, love, and good news since two thousand four. Thanks for your support, and now on with the show. Hello. How are you? I'm spectacular. Welcome to LifeSpring. I'm Steve Webb and I'm your host. I've got this friend that every time I see him, I say, how you doing? And he says something like stupendous or spectacular or something like that. So I thought I'd uh, share that with you. When somebody says, how you doing? Don't just say, hey, okay, just say, I'm doing spectacular. Well, anyway, (laughs) thank you for being with me today, for sharing your day and for the incredibly valuable gift of your time. Today, I've got a really wonderful conversation to share with you. Phil Calloway is the best-selling author of something like 24 books, and he's described as Dave Barry with a message. He's the popular speaker for corporations, for conferences, for camps, and for marriage retreats. He's a frequent guest on national radio and television, and he partners with Compassion, which is an international child development agency. His writings have won more than a dozen international awards. His five-part video series, The Big Picture, is being viewed in 80,000 churches worldwide. And today, you're going to hear him on LifeSpring. How very cool is that? I'm telling you what. Last time, it was Brian Duncan with a world premiere. This week, it's Phil Calloway. And at the end of the show today, I'm going to tell you about another great interview that's coming up next week. Something to look forward to. Anyway, I think you're going to really enjoy the conversation today. Hi, I'm Steve Webb of LifeSpring Media, and I'd like to invite you to join me at the second annual New Media Expo Worship Service in Las Vegas. Everyone is welcome to join us at the Convention Center at 8 o'clock in room N243. This year, Chris Christensen of the Amateur Traveler podcast and the Bible Study podcast will lead in a few songs of worship, and then Michelle Gold will bring her own unique brand of music. Michelle is a singer-songwriter who is a Jewish believer in Yeshua, that is, Jesus. At age 15, Michelle was introduced to Yeshua as the Messiah. Michelle has opened for such legendary singers as Gladys Knight, and she sung all over the world. Beyonce and Mariah meet Yeshua in Jerusalem is the best way to describe Michelle's fun, energy filled music. Never been I
1: never felt I could lose. I've never been since I found you. Since I found you.
0: Please join us on Saturday morning, August 16th, at 8 o'clock at the Las Vegas Convention Center, room N-243. You'll be glad you did. Hey, I cannot believe the Expo's coming up that soon. As I'm recording this, it's Tuesday at 9 p.m. on August whatever it is. What is this, the 5th, I think? Golly, next week is when the Expo begins. Unbelievable. But if you are going to be going to the New Media Expo, and if you're in New Media, why wouldn't you? But if you're going to be there, join us on Saturday morning. I think you're really going to love it. Before we get onto the conversation with Phil, I would like to say a few words about one of our great sponsors, CovenantEyes.com. Listen, Internet porn is something that even some of the most respected people struggle with. Leaders in the community, even some pastors and some teachers and on and on. Some have said that it's more addictive than crack cocaine. If you are one of the millions of people who would like to be rid of this in your life, Covenant Eyes just might be the tool you need to overcome the temptation. Maybe you don't have a problem with Internet porn, but if you have kids in the house, you need to understand that studies show that some children have their first exposure to porn online as early as eight years old. Covenant Eyes has tools that can keep your child safe. Check them out at CovenantEyes.com. I believe in these guys, and I think you will too after you look at their program. It only costs just a very few pennies a day, and when you sign up with them, if you use my promo code LIFESPRING, you'll get your first month absolutely free, so there is no risk on your part. Use the promo code LIFESPRING. <laughs> And before we get into the interview with Phil, I want to tell you some great news that I heard about our other great sponsor, 1-800-PetMeds.com. I just found this out at the end of last week. If you've got questions you want to ask the folks there at 1-800-PetMeds.com about your pet's prescription before you order, you can still use my promo code LIFE when you order over the phone. It isn't just restricted to online orders. So, if you have avoided buying from 1-800-PETMEZ because of questions you have, go ahead and call them and then use my promo code to get 10% off their already great prices and you'll get free shipping with orders of $39 or more when you use my promo code LIFE, L-I-F- as in Frank E. Life, as in Lifespring. Oh, and one more great thing I learned is that they will beat just about any other price you find on the Internet. If you find a better price, call them up, tell them about the other price, and give them a chance to beat it. I'll bet they will. Just remember to use my promo code whenever you go to 1-800-PetMeds.com or whenever you call 1-800-PetMeds. And what's the code? Life. Uh, That seal cracks me up every time. I don't know why. And now, with no further delay, I would like to introduce you to a great guy, Mr. Phil Calloway. Well, I'm so honored today to have Phil Calloway on the show with us. I first learned about Phil from a comment that my wife made. She had been listening to the Dr. Laura radio show and said that uh, Dr. Laura had mentioned this book called family squeeze and it was about well i'll let phil tell you about it here in just a second but as uh, as a way of introducing him i'm going to read just from his website he's got this big long bio but then thankfully he's written a shorter bio or somebody has and it says phil calloway is an award-winning author speaker and daddy of three the best-selling author of 24 books Phil has been called the funniest Canadian alive, but never by his school teachers. He's a frequent guest on national radio and TV, and now podcasts, and his humorous stories on family life have been featured in hundreds of magazines worldwide, but he insists that his greatest achievement was convincing his wife to marry him. Phil lives in Alberta, Canada with his high school sweetheart, and yes, they're married. Phil, thank you so much for being on the show today. Hey, great to be with you, Steve. Thanks for having me. So you're one of those Canucks. I'm a Canuck.
1: I was born uh, in Canada way back in the uh, last part of the last century, uh-huh. and uh, I, uh, you know, I, I love it here. Um, it's uh, got its own challenges. It's a it's a very tolerant society where. Um, you know, the worst thing you can do is is, uh, is maybe uh, say something you shouldn't in public. But I still get to speak in public a lot, and uh, for a lot of secular organizations, and so that's a great privilege. Uh, we love to get down to the states to to visit our cousins and in the south as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Got a little bit of the, in the in the south as well.
1: Yeah, you'll hear you'll hear different things from me. Yeah. Today. People say, you know, do you say oot and boot and uh, I really don't. I'm not that bad, but um, yeah, when when you say the word out, uh, people usually know where you're from.
0: you're, you're going to pick that up, absolutely. <laughs> and so the book that is called Family Squeeze. It's also also got a subtitle to it. What was that subtitle?
1: Yeah, the subtitle is is, uh, Tales of Hope and Hilarity for a Sandwiched Generation. Uh, This book came out of uh, a period of our lives when... uh our children turned into teenagers in three years because we had three of them in three short years. Steve, I, I people ask me about that. Well, what's that like to have kids that fast? I'm quick to assure them that I did not have our children; that my wife did that. It's a wonderful arrangement of, of God, which I'm thankful for. Uh, but we did. We had them fast. You know, the anesthetic from the first birth was still working for the third. And uh, someone said to me, "What's it like to have three kids in three years?" And I said, "Well, we are far more satisfied than the guy who has three million dollars. Well, house so? all." Well, the guy with three million wants more. I tell them, and, you know, it's a bad joke. But uh, we were very thankful for our kids. But they did. They turned into three teenagers suddenly. And uh, about that time, we decided to invite my parents to live in a suite we built on our house. Uh, so those are probably good grounds to have me committed. Um, but I tell people that laughter sure beats Prozac, and we have been able to laugh a whole lot during these times. And for five years, my parents lived with us while we had these teenagers, you know, roaming to our house. Uh, eating us out of house and home, grazing in our fridge. And uh, that's what this book, Family Squeeze, is about, is how do we keep our sanity uh, during these times of being sandwiched between our kids and our parents.
0: Well, it must have been really uh, an adjustment for the entire family when you had your parents move in as well.
1: Well, it was, and, you know, an adjustment for the kids. Uh, It's something that we talked about. Um, You know, I would often uh, come into the suite that we built for Mom and Dad uh, at night, you know, Knock on the door and come in there, and our kids would be scattered around eating ice cream or watching, uh, you know, baseball or football or hockey with them. Um, and uh, it was just an incredible situation. Our son Jeffrey uh, was eight when we moved in when they moved in. And I would often uh, go in there, and, and every single night for five years, this kid would go in and hug his grandparents. And, uh, you know, I've, I've said to others, uh, obviously, this isn't something everyone can do. And the book Family Squeeze is not another guilt trip. Um, most of us have enough of those. But, you know, when possible, we we honor others. And that may be our parents. I've told people, you know what, Jesus talked about the golden rule of of do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And I, so I've kind of paraphrased that and said, do unto your parents as you would have your children do unto you, because (laughs) the day is going to come when, you know, when we start putting ice cream in the dryer or whatever it is, and uh, we're going to want someone around to, to help us, to be there, to love us.
0: Yeah, that's really good. My parents are sort of in that situation. Now, how did you persuade your parents to move in with you? I've mentioned that to my parents, and, you know, they just won't have it. They're insisting that they want to die in the house that they're in now.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, Steve, I think that that a lot of parents are – I mean, everyone's different, obviously – but they almost have to come to a point of realizing that they just can't do what they used to be able to do, and they need a little bit of help. I mean, in Mom and Dad's case, the house was, was getting too big and the medicine cabinet was getting too small, and uh, so I was cutting their grass for them, different things. And they were looking at moving into a senior center, uh, into a senior's home, and, I uh, m- my wife was actually the one who suggested that they live with us and uh, so we took mom and dad out for ice cream one day and uh, sat in this little ice cream shop and I mentioned this to them and the tears just came down their cheeks and they were so thrilled that we would take them in. I think You know, part of it is is a a period of life, uh, them realizing that a certain chapter has closed and that they need help, uh, you know, physically, that they really need help with decisions. Um, So this isn't for everyone, but in our case, it worked out well. And they often told us, you know, that that these are the five best years of our lives, they told us, when they were living here. Mm. And uh, it came to an end because uh, both of them started to develop Alzheimer's and dementia. Uh, so, you know, that's another part of this story that we can perhaps get into at some point, but it, you know, uh, it, this book is partly about how do we survive those years as well. And, uh, so, uh, all good things do come to an end, it seems, um, And in our case, that's what happened with
0: them. And so for those five years, then I had assumed that you invited them, them in because one of the parents was getting to that point of dementia or or Alzheimer's or so. So they had five good years of health while they were with you then.
1: They had five fairly good years. I mean at the beginning of it dad was starting to show signs of that. I would take him to the doctor and he'd get, you know, these memory tests and uh so I you know I'm wondering when they're going to start doing that with me. I'm 46. Who knows. Uh, <laughs> but, you know dad uh, dad was starting to to have all kinds of doubts about his faith, for instance. He was, um, he was changing in some rather amazing ways. And so, you know, as I look back, it was a, it was a real privilege to be here with him during that time uh, to try to help him through it. And uh, hopefully my children will be there for me as well.
0: You know, you mentioned something there. Uh, you said that your dad was having doubts about his faith. Well, mm-hmm. th- this one will be uh, kind of an amazing thing for you, I think. Uh, my dad, for my entire life, was just anti-God. Anytime I mentioned God, uh, he was he would get angry, and just it was not a pretty sight. I got saved when I was 16 years old, and I came home, and I expected that everybody would be happy for me that I had accepted the Lord. And, and he looked at me, and, you know, what would you do that for? And he spent the next half hour berating me, and I was in tears on the day that should have been the happiest in my life. And uh, last year in uh, September, my dad accepted the Lord. And God answers prayers. I mean, for my entire life, I've been praying. God brings somebody into his life that will be able to speak the words that will touch his heart and, and you know, help him to see that, that this is something that, that he needs as well. And so uh, it's interesting that your dad started to question, and, and my dad finally came to the point of faith.
1: When I was a kid, I, I didn't really have that much use for prayer, Steve. Um, I, you know, my mother taught me how to pray. You know, when, if I should die before I wake, and I'm thinking, well, what am I going to die of? I'm six years of age, a uh, heart attack, you know, hardening of the arteries. And then my older brother threatened to kill me, and, and prayers took on a new meaning. But, you know, part of reaching this time in our lives is that we realize that less and less is in our control, or at least we think, you know, we can control things when we're younger. Um, but we suddenly start to realize my teenagers are, you know, they're out in, they're, they're riding in cars with boys who were riding their trikes through mud puddles not so many years ago. Mm, yeah. And, uh, you know, so we're lying in bed praying for them. And our parents, uh, you know, as you did for so many years um, you know, praying for your dad God answers prayer. I see a gap t shirt coming, and I know what it stands for every time God answers prayer, yeah. and uh we have seen this uh in the situation with my dad was that he was you know quite different from your your father. My dad was a minister of the gospel for many, many decades, and uh one day he came to me when he was in the suite and he said, "Do you have any good books on doubt?" and I said, "Oh." what for? You know, is, it, is it a research project? And he kind of like grinned at me. He said, no, he said, I'm, I'm really struggling. I remember, um, you know, giving him some books on doubt, and he, he read those, and that was fine. Um, but, you know, dad... I think the, the, the biggest blessing, strangely enough, to my dad during this time, uh, one of them anyway, was this little dog that we have, this little shit Tzu dog named Mojo, which is a Bible name, you know, Moses and Jonah, uh, Moses who stuttered and Jonah who ran away from home a lot. But <laughs> my dad would hold on to this little dog in his lap, and he would say to me, this dog is a blessing. And one night, we were out on the back deck um, behind their suite, and this storm rolled in. We watched it come across the west, and here was Dad holding this little dog, and the dog started to shake. I know, Steve, that you have a Shih Tzu, and it probably does the same thing during a storm. just begins to shake. Yep. This, this little dog was just, just rattling its teeth. You know, it looked like it's put a paw in a light socket. <laughs> That's true. And uh, took off off my dad's lap and ran under a wheelbarrow and hid there. And, uh, you know, my dad finally, when the storm ended and he was able to get the dog back on his lap, he was kind of talking to the dog and saying, oh, you know, I've got you. You have nothing to worry about. Well, I was sitting with dad and I said, dad, do you, do you ever wonder if maybe God feels that way? toward us, oh. um, you know, where he looks down at us, and we're, we're shaking, and we're wondering how we're going to make it through the next hour, and God wants to hold us in his arms and say, you know what, it's okay, it's all right, and uh, it was interesting to see my dad's response to that, where that seemed to bring him a whole lot of comfort. Mm. Um, Psalm 23 was of help to him as well, you know, so many of the Psalms during yeah. that time, but even this little dog, one of God's creatures, was used uh, to bring him comfort and hope.
0: Oh, amen. Man. Well, you know, my little Shih Tzu has, has really kind of demonstrated some things to me about God. And I don't know if yours does. I think probably so. My dog knows that I'm the alpha male in the house. And when I come into the house, he follows me everywhere I go. If I'm standing still, he'll just stop and he'll sit down. And he'll stare up at me like, what is this guy going to do next? And he is completely <laughs> devoted to me. And, you yes. know, we're not dogs, obviously, but but really that's the kind of devotion that God wants from us, just to follow him, to trust him, to, to gaze upon him and praise him.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah, we we just worry and fret about so much and uh, you know I've told people that worry is like a rocking chair it gives you something to do but doesn't take you anywhere and you know, maybe somebody's listening to the podcast today saying, well, I know, but you don't know my struggles. This book, is uh, Family Squeezes, is, is really about, uh, much about dealing with the difficulties of life. And what I've found through this time is that in talking with others who are going through this time, like like you and I are, Steve, uh, and, and, you know, maybe listeners are saying, well, that's not me right now, but I think this is very applicable to all of us. Uh, the greatest success stories that I've witnessed come from, from those who, despite their own selfishness, which, which I am a big part of, uh, make three decisions. This, this decision to be faithful to what we know is right, uh, to not worry about what we cannot fix, and to hold on to God's hand, no matter how dark things get. Yes. And that's what I'm discovering during this time of life. When so much is taken out of our hands, when, you know, I mean, you can't see me uh, on the podcast, but I'm losing my hair, Steve. I, you know, I've turned 46. I was walking past the mirror the other day and I looked in it. And my wife came by. I said, honey, I don't look 46. And she said, no, but you used to, <laughs> uh, you know, my, my hair is doing funny things. I, I don't have trouble growing hair, but location is everything <laughs> yeah. with hair. Uh, You know, uh, I am like a struggling oil company. I have great production, but poor distribution. (laughs) Uh, My hair has gone underground and is coming out my nose. But One one of my favorite verses in Scripture talks about uh, how outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So no matter what your age is, as you listen today, you know... um, we need to be worrying about what's going on inside our head, about what we're putting in there, and not so much about what's going on on top of our head. We can't do quite as much about that. Um, but, I'm, you know, I'm okay with getting this age. I, I was standing out in the parking lot. My hair was blowing in the breeze, and I didn't have the energy to chase after it. I thought, you know, I'm 46, and I'm okay with this. I, I'm all right with getting to the Middle Ages, although if, I guess if I'm middle-aged, I'm, I'll be 92 when I die. Uh, so, well, I'll have to live a long time.
0: That won't be too um, bad. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at your picture and uh actually I'm I'm fifty I'll be fifty four next month and so I've got a few okay. years on you. See, you've got less hair on the top of your head, but your little goatee that you've got there, mine is uh-huh. almost all white now. You and did, and know, I, I look in there in that mirror and I say, What an old guy that is. And what's <laughs> even worse, it, it oh I hate to see pictures of myself now. Because I have this image in my head of a, a still young man, and I see pictures and I'm reminded that you're not so young anymore, kid.
1: That's right. Oh, man, I tell you. You know, we we there are ways of staying young, Steve. And I think we stay young by keeping our eyes in the right places, um, you know, by not wasting time, placing discouraging phone calls or listening to gossip, you know, inviting friends over to dinner even if the carpet needs weeding and, and the sofa <laughs> is faded, <laughs> you know. Um we stay young by by centering our minds on things like god 's faithfulness and his goodness and his mercy and his miracles and his compassion, all of his blessings um, i 've just found that you know visiting my mother out in the hospital now uh, she no longer lives with us, but she she 's in this um, this long term care facility, and the nurses absolutely love this woman she has lost her husband she has lost two hips she has lost her her freedom, uh, her ability to rationalize a lot of things. But she looks at me and she says, I am so thankful. You know, this is an 84-year-old lady Mm. uh, who, who needs a wheelchair to get around and someone to push her. And she says, I am so thankful. And I I think joy grows best in the soil of thanksgiving. Um, This book is much about joy. It's about discovering in the most difficult of times uh, where that joy comes from. You know, it's interesting. I I get calls from Hollywood tabloid magazines that want me to give them this brief little pithy quote about, you know, Angelina or, or Brad or whatever, the lives of some of these stars. And I get thinking, you know what? We have mixed up who the stars are. Um, You know, why do we bow down and worship at that shrine when all around us these incredible people who are dealing with great difficulties in their lives um, are the ones that we should be looking to for their example? My wife, uh, in her family, there's a disease called Huntington's, and three of her siblings suffer from this. Her eldest brother just passed away. Uh, We buried him. He was curled up for 10 years, Steve, in the fetal position Mm -hmm. in a nursing home dealing with Huntington's disease, a horrible uh, hereditary disease. My wife does not have this disease, but now uh, two of her siblings do, her, um, her, her sisters, uh, as well as Dennis, who passed away. But we were just visiting her older sister, who is now in a nursing home, and Miriam is this incredible example of godliness and joy in the midst of difficulty. She was seated across from a doctor who looked at her and said, Miriam, you are only showing about 50% of the symptoms associated with Huntington's. He said, we think your belief in a higher power might have helped you. And Miriam grinned, and she said, that would be God. (laughs) And she has this gentle laughter that comes from knowing that life may be falling apart at the edges, but not at the core. Right at the core, she knows that she's held in God's arms. She is loved by Him, and she's promised the eternal joys of heaven. And she has a beautiful fridge magnet that says, Lord, if you can't make me thin, make my friends look fat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, laughter makes so much difference in the midst of this. And I think our, our teenagers, our children need to see us laughing it's, you know, God's hand on a troubled world. It's it's our acknowledgement that there's something greater than us that's in control and that it's going to be okay no matter where we are. Our kids
0: need to see that, don't you think? I, am, uh, I, I, I believe they do. Uh, that's that's so true. And, you know, it, it's not necessarily health. Right now, uh, the, the economy is really difficult for a lot of people, mm-hmm. in, including us. Our 20-year uh, business is kind of falling apart because of the economy and uh, things are difficult around here, but, you know, we try and let our kids know for sure what's, what's happening, it, because there's a reason we can't go to the movie all the time and things like that, but yet I want them to see that it's okay, this is all part of, you know, God's plan, he'll see us through, he's been faithful from the very beginning, and there's no reason that he's going to change that now. And so, yeah, it's a good thing yeah. just to, to be able to maintain good humor even through the difficult times.
1: Well, you know, what a great thing also for you, just to talk with your children about this i mean they're 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 going to hear it, they're going to know things are going on, um, but being open about it and, and realizing together that we have this goal of getting through this difficult period economically uh, where there's been a downturn and, and we need to say to each other, hey, you know what, there's things we can do without. Um, it's startling to me how many things are out there that we can do without. You know, we've got, we've got so much stuff now that we did not ask for. There's Actually, I was reading the other day, there are, there are pants now made in Great Britain that that talk—they simply say "zip me" when you actually touch the fabric. And maybe some of us need this, but uh, we have <laughs> cell phones <laughs> that work under water now. You know, I'm thinking, well, praise the Lord for that. That's—you know—I'm often under there thinking, I got to talk to Steve. You know? <laughs> uh, it's, it's ridiculous all the stuff that's out there that we do not need. Sometimes, you know, what one of the best exercises uh, this week may be. To have a good time by going to a mall and just counting how many things are out there that we do not need. You know, the clock that shines the time on the ceiling in the middle of the night. The insomniac dream. Man, do we need that? You know, there are things that we can do uh, together that cost absolutely no money. And uh, we can do that during these days. I I tell people to remember that one of the greatest principles of life is that even if you win the rat race, you are still a rat. (laughs) I have spent time... I spent time with millionaires and billionaires and CEOs and VIPs. And at the end of the day, you know what? We all shut out the light and and we go to sleep. And uh, I was just with a guy, a multimillionaire last week, who looked at me and he said, Phil, you know what? The thing that I am dealing with the most right now is boredom. Wow. I thought, wow, you know, it's true. He has accomplished more by the age of 40. Than most of us could fathom, and yet uh, he doesn't have friends in his life. Uh, we need to realize that it's relationships that make us rich. Uh, one of my books is called Making Life Rich Without Any Money, and it talks about these very principles of life, of centering in on what makes us rich. And it's those relationships in life. So let's do things that, that draw us together uh, before God, and, and remember you know, that he ultimately is the one that we are to be in relationship with, and, and the joy will follow when we are walking with him.
0: You know, the relationship thing is something that that I have learned, oh, in the last, I would say, maybe eight or ten years. I was always somewhat of a a loner kind of a person, but... um, my lovely wife is the kind. Well, she comes from a family of five kids. I came from a family of two, and my my sister is ten years younger than me. And so we really didn't have a, a real tight, cohesive family. But Leanne's family, every holiday, whatever it is, whether it's Memorial Day, Labor Day, Fourth of July, even birthdays, the entire family gets together. And you talk about uh, uh, what was it, big fat Greek wedding or whatever that movie was several years ago. That's how I felt when I went into this family for the first. Really? time. And it's all about relationship. And then she's always been very, very active in her church and everybody knew her at the, at at her church. And so when I married into this family and when I started attending her church, it's now been over 20 years, um, I began to realize the importance of relationship and how enriching it actually is. My dad was the kind of guy, I mean, like I, I, I mentioned, he was not a lover of God and he's not a lover of people either. And so, um, it was something that I had to, you know, come to late in life. But, yeah, that's really where the riches are is, is relationships. And, obviously, the relationship with God is first. But people can add so much to our enjoyment of life. And it, it just brings a, a tapestry that uh, I had never known. And so I'm glad you mentioned that.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, I, I'm sure many of, of the listeners today are, are parents um, saying, you know, that's all fine for Steve to say. But right now I'm struggling with uh, you know, with with parenting, with with relationships with my children. And uh, so, you know, family squeeze is much about that as well. I I tell people in this book that parenting... Is you know apart from from loading hand grenades, parenting is the world's toughest job. So go easy on yourself. Uh, do not compare yourself with other parents who sit in church looking happy and well organized. Chances are they are heavily medicated and maybe <laughs> hours from being institutionalized. Uh, you know, it, I mean, these relationships they they get pretty real and they get you know we we struggle sometimes. I remember uh, my son Jeffrey came home recently. Uh, he was 16 at the time. He looked at me. He said, "Dad." He said, I'm thinking of getting an earring, maybe seven of them, and some tattoos. I kind of thought, dope. You know, I said to him, well, Jeff, that is quite a coincidence because I was just thinking of getting all my pants hemmed up just below the knees. (laughs) And I I pulled my knee, my pants up for him, you know, to show him and getting a T-shirt that says, I'm Jeffrey Calloway's dad. (laughs) Well, he started laughing and he laughed and laughed and he, I guess he forgot about the earrings, but uh, I've written some things down here. uh, The top 10 things that I would love to hear a teenager say. Can I read them to you? Oh, I'd love
0: to hear this. Yes.
1: Okay. This is uh, for those with with teenagers or anyone who has been a teenager at some point in their life. Here's one of them. Who needs to eat out? Let me make something. That's the first one. Dad, I sure could use a little advice. Um, Here's another thing I would love to hear a teenager say. We won't need the car. We're walking. Uh, There's nothing to eat around here. I'll go buy something. Um, you relax, I'll do the dishes. Man, wouldn't you and I have a heart attack? Yes. Uh, new, new movies aren't cool, let's watch something old. Uh, is my music bothering you? I, I don't know about you, but I, I have a teenager who plays music that sounds like someone trying to kill chickens with a jackhammer. That's exactly uh, right. This is my room, but it's your house. I'd like to hear those words. Uh, Hey, I've been on the phone a lot. Why don't I pay the bill this month? Uh, beautiful. All right, and the final one is well, looky there. It's 10 p.m. I better go to bed. <laughs> uh, yeah. I've no,
0: never heard you know, those words from my teenagers.
1: No, no, <laughs> we would die hearing those words. But I, you know, I found out uh, here is a little acronym for teens. The first when if if you have teenagers in your life. Try laughter. That's the P. Uh, Life is serious as a heart attack for a teenager. You know, they're wondering whose rules to respect and whose lifestyle to adopt and who on earth kidnapped my body (laughs) and began performing experiments on it. Uh, So wholesome laughter in the home is a testimony to our kids that everything's going to be okay. God's big enough to see us through that next exam and that next relational hiccup and that next bout with acne. So try laughter. And the first E is exercise flexibility. Uh, you know, good parents change and adapt and, and listen more than we lecture. Um, you know, last month, our youngest son turned our basement into a teenage hangout, complete with a 680 volt drum set and three electric guitar amps with volume controls so small no one can find them. Uh, and a stereo system with surround sound and something called woofers and tweeters in them. Uh Uh, But you know what, Steve? We figure that if our kids are going to party, we'd like it to happen about 20 feet away. You betcha. Uh, The music may be annoying, but we are getting to the age where we can't hear it so well anyway, so (laughs) bring it on. Uh, That's the first E. So try laughter, exercise flexibility, and let me see if I can remember them. The, The third one... Encourage discernment. Um, You know, we have so often taught our children with question marks. Uh, We challenge them when they spout clichés that they've learned at church or or at a Christian school. Uh, We ask questions they'll be asked in the big bad world. And uh, they have have really grown because of that. And we've grown as well. Uh, The end on the teams is nurture through affirmation. There are so many voices out there telling them they are not cool enough or thin enough or tall enough or rich enough. Uh, So affirm our kids when we get the chance. Uh, My teenagers have doubted my, my sanity at times, but never my love for them. They know there's no hour of the day or night during which they are forbidden to flop on my bed and tell me about their problems. I may keep right on snoring, uh, but (laughs) at least they can talk. (laughs) You know, this is a a kick-in-the-pants world, um, kick them while they are down kind of world. Our teens are starving, all of us, for a a pat on the back and a listing ear. I was reading about Madeline Murray O'Hare, the renowned atheist uh, who passed away a number of years ago, but throughout her diaries are sprinkled a little phrase, please, someone, somewhere, love me. Oh, man. All of us are longing, like your dad was, I'm sure, for that love. Yeah. To find out that someone loves us. We're never to be, and too old to be told how much we are loved. The S on the team, Steve, is to stay connected. You know, do whatever it takes to keep the lines of communication open. Um, we've spent a lot on vacationing together through the years and uh, you know with the downturn in the economy perhaps this is a a time in life when we need to stay a little closer to home but do whatever is necessary to enter their world. You know, I have yet to meet someone in a nursing home who ever regretted an investment in their children's lives. And if you're afraid of seeing the teenage years come to an end, do not worry at all. There is not a teen I know who hasn't gone out into the brave new world without eventually returning home starved and, and carrying a bundle of laundry. So it's okay. <laughs> I will be fine. <laughs> Those are some of my thoughts on, on teenagers.
0: Good advice. Good words. Well, Phil, thank you so much for being with us today. This has been a great joy and a great encouragement to me personally, and I, I know that the listeners will be encouraged as well.
1: Great. Great to be with you. I, one final little thought for you, because I, I think so many people listening today are, are short on hope. When my son Stephen was headed past the graveyard, him and I were, were in the car on a Sunday afternoon. He pointed out the window, and there was a hole dug in the ground, a pile of dirt beside it. He said, Dad, look, one got out. <laughs> and, I, you know, I laughed, but the more I laughed about his words, the more I hung on to them, because that is our ultimate reason for joy, our reason for hope in the midst of whatever we are going through today. One got out. Jesus Christ is risen. And he is the one who gives us bright hope, you know, and strength for today and that hope for tomorrow.
0: He's the one who got out. Great to be with you, Steve. Amen. So uh, people can find more on Phil Calloway at, strangely enough, Phil, well, I was going to say philcalloway.com, but I'm looking at your website, and it's philcalloway.ab.ca.
1: Well, yeah, you know what will get you there real easily is just uh, to go to laughagain.org,
0: and that'll get you right to my site. Awesome. And uh, people can buy your books on your website. They can even get looks like an autographed copy of Family Squeeze, yes?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Yes. I'm happy to send it to them. Yeah. Just love your site as well, Steve, and wish you all God's best in the coming days.
0: Well, thank you. God bless you, my brother. Thanks again for being with us. You betcha. What fun, huh? You're definitely going to want to own a few of uh, Phil's books. You can buy them at laughagain.org, or I'll also have some of his books over at the LifeSpring store at lifespringmedia.com. So we're pretty much running neck and neck as to the voting on whether the Lifespring theme music should be changed. Last week, I played one example for the keep the old theme contingent. And this week, let's listen to one from the other side.
1: Hey, Steve, this is Denise in Texas, and I just want to give my vote for the new Lifespring theme. Okay, have a great weekend. Bye.
0: Okay, so Denise wants the new theme. Well, you heard the old theme at the intro, as you always do. And here's another listen to the new theme. And so it goes something like, Welcome to Light Spring. Hi, I'm Steve Webb, your host. Thank you so much, and blah bitty, blah blah blah. So do you like that better? Or do you like the way we started it at the beginning of this show with the old theme? Now you know there's something to be said for keeping the old identity, the old theme. I mean, uh, one of the oldest, uh, longest-running shows on TV was uh, used to be, what, Bonanza? And they had the same theme for, like, 14 years. And uh, Jeopardy has been around for, I think, 276 years. And they've got, I think, the same theme as they've ever had. So uh, I don't know. You know, just because I've heard the theme over and over and over again now since 2005, you know, I hear it more than you do, obviously, because I'm in the midst of production. So maybe I'm just tired of it because, you know, I hear it more than you do. Uh, let me know. This is going to be the last week that I'm going to take votes on this, okay? Uh, we're, we really are running pretty much neck and neck as to the voting. Um, and so it's, it's, this week is going to be your time to put in your preference. The winning theme will be announced on the next show, and the toll-free voice line is 877-433-9091. If you're in the U.S., you need to phone in your vote to that number. It's toll-free, 800-77- or, yeah, 877-433-9091. If you're outside the U.S., I'd want to hear from you, too, but you can email. I don't think you can use that toll-free line. I don't think you can get through. But uh, my email address, as always, is steve.lifespring at gmail.com. Listen, every vote counts, and since this is family, the Lifespring family, every voice should be heard. So phone it in, email it in if you're outside the United States. I want to hear from you, and this is the week that we make the decision. Is it going to be the new one? Or the old one. There is something comforting about old um, tradition, isn't there? So what's it going to be? And so we'll cut that off there. (laughs) On the family front, the boys are both at youth camp this week, so the lovely lady Leanne and I have a few days to ourselves... So what are we going to do? Well, let me see. (laughs) My XP computer, the main uh, workhorse box that I've got sitting next to me right now. Well, it croaked again the other day and I had to reload Windows and all my apps again. I didn't lose any data this t- this time, which is great. I've, I've I'm using Carbonite, and I've got the uh, data server here that has uh, all my stuff backed up on it, so that's good. Uh, we didn't panic that way, but I I lost several hours of productivity, which really, you know, golly, you want to get some time off, and then this thing happened. So, <laughs> and then I spent a little over a day working on our work van, uh, replacing the front drive axles. It's not really that the job should take over a day, but I've never done that particular job before, so I had to kind of figure it out as I went. Plus, I had to run to Sears a couple of times for tools that were needed. Um, I've got a fairly extensive collection of tools out in my garage, but there were a couple of specialized jobbies that I'd never needed until this job came along. So, uh, you know, I had to run down to Sears, uh, good old craftsman tools, which I, I like. They're good stuff. But uh, anyway, even after buying the tools, I ended up saving several hundred dollars compared to what I would have had to pay a shop or the Nissan dealer or something like that. So, you know, it took time. But uh, right now, with business being the way it is and the economy being the way it is, I sort of wanted to save as much money as I could. So (laughs) I spent some time doing that. So anyway, that's uh, what's kind of going on in Steve's life. Uh, let's see what else, Oh man, It has been so hot here in Southern California. I mean, it's nothing uh that you probably aren't experiencing where you're at as well. I was watching the uh, the Dodgers play the uh, Cards tonight for just a little while while I was having dinner with my lovely bride, and uh, boy, they 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 had to call the game because of rain, and it's been something like I don't know upper nineties in 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 temperature and upper nineties in uh, humidity as well, so it's been just miserable back there in the in the Midwest, at least in uh, St. Louis, Missouri. So uh, yeah, anyway, that's what's going on around here. If you haven't gone over to Lifespring.tv, and we're just about to close up the show here. If you haven't gone over to Lifespring.tv and checked out the Brian Duncan clips, you need to do that. I've got two clips up there right now, and I have at least one or two more clips worth of footage. So do go over to Lifespring.tv and check them out. I've gotten lots of great feedback from you on the Brian Duncan World Premiere Show that we did, number 172. And I've had so much great uh, feedback from you that I've done another interview with another musical great. And you're going to hear that next week. Remember the group Petra. Yeah, weren't they great? For more than 20 years, John Schlitt was the voice of Petra. Well, next week you're going to hear the conversation that John and I had just a few days ago. You're not going to want to miss Lifespring number 174. Until then, let's go out of here with one of John Schlitt's new songs from the album The Grafting. And you're only going to hear it here on Lifespring. So this is John Schlitt with Keep Your Light On. Life's What you gonna do This life is passing by you Tomorrow has no promise has no certain guarantee And what you gonna say Springmedia.com The day is given, so much living to be done
1: the moment now, the rest will follow,
0: follow. with your life John Schlitt with Keep Your Light On from the grafting. I'm Steve Webb, I'm your host, and thank you so much for sharing your day with me. Until next time, may God bless you richly.
1: If you enjoyed this program, will you consider helping to support Lifespring Media? Details are at LifespringMedia.com Thank you.